Hello and welcome to the Film Pulse Podcast. This is episode number 336. My name is Adam Patterson. With me today, Mr. Kevin Rakeshaw. Hey, Kevin. Hey. Hi. Hope everyone's having a wonderful Labor Day holiday in the U.S. This week on the show, we'll be doing a retro review, which is either the first time that we've done a retro review or it's possible that we have it's been so long since we did a retro review that i forgot we ever did one before yeah i think we did possession i remember doing possession but i didn't know if that if that was like a a halloween type theme or something uh it could have been but this is this came down to i don't know how it worked out for you but i checked what was coming out that we could cover there's absolutely nothing, but yet we haven't done a show in a couple of yeah. weeks, it seems. So we had to do something. And you tell, you tell them what it is. What are we doing? <laughs> so this past week, Vinegar Syndrome released a newly remastered version of Hell Comes to Frogtown from 1988. So we'll be taking a look at Hell Comes to Frogtown. We'll also be taking a look at someone we've been watching on the watch list, going over this week's new releases in theaters, VOD, and Blu-ray. Thank you so much for joining us today remember to please consider reviewing us on itunes if you get a chance that'd be incredible before we head over to frogtown i just have a couple housekeeping bits to go over uh first no ryan watches a movie this week he just didn't want to do it i don't know what i don't know what his deal was this week he's just like nope not this week i think it's honestly i think it's the ubiquity thing oh yeah so just some behind the scenes stuff. Uh, Ryan bought because of Kevin's constant internet woes. Ryan bought him an access point for his his house, and Kevin hasn't hooked it up it just, yet. And it just showed up. It just showed up one day. Oh yeah, it. It, it, which is a, a new thing that Ryan does this year. Is just buys things and ships it to me <laughs> without telling me. Uh, it's a nice surprise. It is. Well, um, yeah, Kevin hasn't hooked it up yet, obviously, because you can, as you can hear, he's on the phone still. <laughs> and uh, I guess Ryan wasn't happy about that, maybe. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I have a feeling that's what it was. In your defense, though, you had to order parts. Like you, I did. You were. Te- I, did, I didn't know. I probably should have looked into it earlier. It was one of those things that I like. I was like, yeah, I have two Ethernet cables. Of course I do. I have a box of a ton of cables. There's two Ethernet cables in there. There has to be. So I get, you know, all set up to, to do this. And none of those cables are Ethernet cables. I have no idea how, but they're not. Yeah, well, I mean, you, you made an attempt. Like the day after you got it, you were texting me trying to get it, like pl- pl- set, up, set it up. So, I mean, it's not like you were slacking on it. Anyway, whatever. Uh, so no, no Ryan watches the movie this week. Hopefully we'll be back with that next week. Uh, if you haven't listened to the August episode of say by the nineties, be sure to check that out. Um, an episode came out in the last, uh, so we, we were off on this show for two weeks, so it came out during that time. It's a uh, music themed. So we talk about four August movies that are music themed, including Pump Up the Volume, The Commitments, Airheads, and Detroit Rock City. So that was that was a fun discussion. And we also talk about the history behind the Now That's What I Call Music series. Ooh. Which hit the hit the states in 1998. Now that's what I call music. I remember those. They're still around. Surprisingly. Oh, sure they are. 
They're they're at volume seventy one in the U.S. right wow. now. Yeah, incredible. I also released a video review of the new Blair Witch game that came out this past weekend. So check that out if you're interested. I want to do more of these kind of video game reviews. I did them a while back and then I sort of pulled away, but I just got this new gaming PC. So I, I want to start doing relevant video game reviews again, ones that at least somewhat pertain to movies. I'm working on mm -hmm. another one right now. So I did Blair Witch and that game is actually not horrible. It's pretty decent. I'm working on another one right now for the new Supermassive Games release called Men of Medan, which is uh, it's a horror story written by Larry Fessenden. Okay. And uh, it's that's another one that's it's okay. It's not on the same level as um, Until Dawn, which was their other big sort of narrative-driven horror story. But it's okay. I mean, it's based on a true... Not a true story, but it's a very, but it's an urban legend. A lot of people think that it actually happened involving this ship in the late 40s that there was like a distress signal and everyone on the ship mysteriously died and they're not exactly sure what happened. So, yeah, it's, it's, I, I did some research surrounding the, the true story and it's pretty fascinating. So, anyway, I hope to have that video up. By tomorrow, maybe. Yeah, I would say definitely by Tuesday. Try to have that up. With that, I think we can jump into Hell Comes to Frogtown. So this is uh, directed by Donald G. Jackson and R.J. Kaiser. Stars Rowdy Roddy Piper as Sam, mm -hmm. Sam Hell. I have a synopsis so here. <laughs> yeah. After a nuclear war, the survivors are divided between horribly mutated beings who live on desolate reservations and fertile women who are searching for scarce virile men in order to multiply and start a new, a new human society. Oh <laughs> uh, boy. If that synopsis does not hook you, I don't know what would honestly. Yeah. And the funny thing was, I didn't really even know. I didn't read the synopsis before going into this. I was just kind of like, hmm, post-apocalyptic movie, Rowdy Rowdy Piper. It's a new World Pictures movie, so I was already kind of sold on that. So I was already sold, but you, br you bring in the rest, and it's like, holy crap, what is going on here? Yeah, because I didn't really know about that stuff either until until I started watching it, and they, you know, they started uh, explaining what what's happening in this new world. I was just like, Oh boy. Yeah. I went through a whole, like prepared for this. Yeah. I went through like sort of a whole roller coaster of emotions with, with that. Cause at first I was just like, that sounds like a funny premise. And then when like the, they find the first fertile woman, I was like, Oh no. Mm -hmm. I was like, Oh no, yeah. no, no, no. Uh, but after that, then it kind of got goofy again so uh, roddy piper is a, a criminal so he's in jail the movie starts with him strapped to a chair getting like beaten and i guess he's in a prison and he's in prison for sexual assault apparently he's just going around i guess sexually assaulting women all over the place and i and i don't know 
Like, because later they find, like, after they discover that he's, like, one of the only viral men, it seems like maybe he's, women, women are, like, throwing themselves at him so that they can get pregnant. Yes. His whole, his whole backstory is, uh, it's very unclear. Because you're right, they do, they, they introduce him as, you know, in jail for sexual assault. Then they come. Med tech comes to get him out, and they're like, "Oh, she changed her story because she was pregnant." Yeah, I never, I never quite had a handle on the backstory and how how it was all playing out. If if, if he was like actually, because it seemed like he yeah. didn't even know that he was even able to impregnate women. So, I'm just, I'm totally unclear as to like. If if the main protagonist of this film is a rapist or not, that's what I'm not so sure about. Yes, and I mean, well, he, to be clear, he is because they essentially when they after they find the first female, he they they basically force him to have sex with her, and uh, I don't I wouldn't call that consensual. No. They, they, they give her this drug, uh, and and I can't remember what they called the drug, but it essentially just makes her horny. It's like a horny drug. Yeah, just uncontrollable. And and but the funny thing is, like at the end, the next day, she's like all cleaned up, and and she's like on the team after that. And it's like, it, does this excuse it all of a sudden? Like, does this excuse what they've done? I'm not so sure. No, it doesn't. It doesn't at all. In the context of the movie, like, like we're supposed to be okay with this. Yeah, and the other thing is just that, like, you're, it, is, it does have some some tricky themes in here, especially the, the fact that it's like this, the med tech, which is a part of the government, which is part of the, like the military, and their whole role is is that it's essentially his Rowdy Rowdy Piper's penis becomes a a tool that's owned by the government. And it has to do what the government wants it to do, which is impregnate women. And then on top of that, medtech, and I guess it's like it's part of the American way now, is that any woman that can get pregnant has to. Like no one is asking these women if they want to get pregnant. They're just like, we're going to catch you. We're going to give you the horny pill. And then we're going to impregnate you. And that's it. You have no say in the matter whatsoever. Yeah, it feels it feels very reminiscent of uh, The Handmaid's Tale. Actually, there's there's definitely some Handmaid's Tale vibes going on on in here, just with frog people added. Yes, it's like Handmaid's Tale with frog people. Yeah, but it's also interestingly enough, and this is like one of the main reasons that I'm kind of happy that we watched this movie is it's Mad Max uh, Fury Road. It's just, it's really bizarre. Like the whole ending like is essentially that movie. Yeah. And yep. even what's her name looks like Furiosa, Sentinella. Yep. And you have the chase in the desert and he's getting out, you know, a harem of the frog guy's wives. Mm-hmm. Like it's pretty much Fury Road. It's yes. Yeah, it's, it, it's really bizarre how similar the two are. You you have desert chases, you know it's very very much a post apocalyptic 
world, like when he goes to Frogtown, it feels like that, you know, the, the town, the little city in Fury Road. It's just uh, incredibly similar. Yeah. Like, I, I don't know, like, I don't want to say Fury Road was ripping off Hell Comes to Frogtown, but, but it, definitely got, it, it definitely got its initial idea from Hell Comes to Frogtown. There's yeah. no way it didn't. Yeah, they're they're and you know the other thing that I so Roddy Piper I think was perfectly suited for this role. I I think he's great, and I wish he was in more comedic roles. But his role in this was similar to his role in They Live, where he's just this kind of everyman who is thrust into this ridiculous situation. And I just loved his reactions to pretty much everything that was happening around. <laughs> him i just thought that all of his reactions were so funny <laughs> and that's that's another thing about this movie is like tonally it's a bit it's a bit bizarre i guess maybe in 1988 he just didn't realize like how it how it came off the entire storyline that makes it kind of you know very serious uh and unsettling and then when the the frog people, the greenies, get introduced, they're even more bizarre. And then there's just just very odd interactions. Like it's it, it, at certain times, it almost felt like a TV show. Like when it, you know he had the the chainsaw, mm-hmm. the the eye patched, yeah, frog bull, and he just goes, you know what, you're weird. Just <laughs> like what the. Fuck? <laughs> Uh yeah, so it should it should be mentioned that because his dick is the property of medtech, he has this like metal loincloth thing on that he has to stay within a certain distance away from uh, his his handler Spangle, and if he gets so far away to a certain distance, it'll explode. <laughs> it'll blow up his dick, and. That I, I was kind of uh, at one point he he gets it he, it gets cut off and um, the loincloth that is not his dick and I was kind of hoping that they would they would just leave it on the whole time it's pretty ridiculous like you said the a lot of the jokes don't necessarily fit with the movie's tone overall like it, it's I think it's pretty much the whole thing is played for laughs but. Watching it in 2019, it's like, hmm, I don't, there's some really mm-hmm. serious subject matter in here that mm-hmm. maybe it was maybe in 1988, in less sensitive times, it could have been laughed off. But watching it today, you're just like, hmm, I don't know about all this. Such a, man, it is a, it is a bizarre movie because the, the, the whole him essentially getting forced enlisted into the the army wing of medtech and having his penis be owned by the the US military and that it's essentially like his his role as a soldier is to just impregnate women. Like that's that's enough right there. And then at a certain point there's frog people. Okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah. They throw frog people in. Which I gotta say, I'm pretty I was pretty impressed with the like the makeup work. Uh, yeah, I was too. 
I thought that the Very frog impressed. people looked really good as far as they, yeah. they looked. They were like slimy and kind of gross, and the like articulation on the eyes and the mouth movement and stuff that, that all, it all looked really good i mean this is presumably a very low budget movie and i thought that they did a lot did they did what they could with it but i thought that like all of the creature stuff was good yeah i mean to me it wasn't it wasn't embarrassing to me because there was they're not introduced uh you know early on it, they they take their time to introduce the frog people and i was I was very, very curious because given everything that I've seen up until that point, I'm assuming that when the frog people show up, it's going to be embarrassing and they're going to look kind of ridiculous. And I got to say, I was, I was, uh, I was quite surprised. Yeah. Cause they, 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 that was professional work right there. Yeah. I, I completely agree there. There's a number of really awkward sort of po- uh, attempted sex scenes involving Roddy Piper as well. Like he's just this dude is just getting seduced nonstop through this whole movie, and one of the frog women seduces him. <laughs> he has her put a giant burlap sack over her head. Yeah, especially later when he's like, "I really owe you," and she pulls out the burlap sack, and he's just like, "Not now." It's just the comedy in this thing. Oh boy, <laughs> it's really. Uh... It's really hit or miss. I mean, the 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 actual jokes didn't really land for me. It was more just Roddy Piper's reactions that made me laugh. Mm-hmm. Yes, but overall, it's. I mean, I'd recommend. I'd recommend giving it a look. You know, like on a on like a Sunday afternoon. <laughs> Your next Sunday afternoon after church. Yeah. Popped in uh, Hell Comes to Frogtown. I had fun with it. This, 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 despite the glaring flaws. I mean, it's not. Oh, yeah. You know what to you, it you go into You go into a movie like this with certain expectations. Yeah. But it is. There is something there that's, that's like deeply unsettling. Because you could see it with the American government rounding up for all men in order to impregnate women forcibly to start a new society. But just, it's a weird thing. I just, whose idea was it for the frog people? How did the frog people get added to this? Yeah, it should be noted that it was as a result of multiple nuclear bombs going off that created the frog people. And what? I just, that's the other thing I like is they don't explain that. They're just like, they turn into frogs. <laughs> they're just, they're just human sized yeah. frogs that can talk. I don't know what that has to do with, with you know, with nuclear weapons. Uh, I because don't know what the, sort of chemical reaction happens to turn humans into frogs. The, the mutants were all the rage back then. Remember how big mutants were? I mean, just all throughout like the, the eighties and even into the nineties, everything was all about toxic waste and, and mutations. Oh, yeah. It makes sense, you know, considering what the, the, the history there. But it's just, for me, to come down on frogs. Like, they're not, they're not really mutants in the sense of, the, like, what I think of as a mutant. They're just, they're just frogs that can now talk human-sized. 
Like there's no, like you don't really see like a human aspect to them outside of them talking and knowing English. They're just full frog. Mm-hmm. Yeah, anthropomorphized frogs. Yeah. It's not like uh, half frog, half person. Choices were made. I don't. I don't know. <laughs> choices were made to make them frog people. They did make a sequel to this as well. It's called Frog Town Two. But there, there looks to be a lot of Frog Town. Well, there. I don't. There's just other things. Yeah, I don't know if the the other ones are like official. Because there's Frogtown Two, and that that's like a straight up sequel with the same with Sam Hell in it, the same character, but it is Sam Hell's played by Robert Zadar, of oh, of Maniac Cop fame. <laughs> so I don't know. I about, gotta say that poster, that poster is pretty phenomenal. Oh yeah, and then there's this, there's the there's Frog Warrior. And then there's Toad Warrior. Now, Frog Warrior is this isn't not this is a completely separate thing. I mean, I think maybe they were like ripping off Frog Hell comes to Frog Town, but the name of it is yeah. Ma- Max Hell Frog Warrior. It came out in 2002, and I implore everyone listening to watch the trailer for this movie on IMDb because it is incredible. But the crazy thing is. I think it's the same director. Is it? I think so. Yes. It is. You're right. Yeah. Donald G. Jackson. So he ended up doing Toad Warrior. Damn, he has a movie called Roller Gator. Are you kidding me? His uh, <laughs> He directed Max Hell Frog Warrior under the name Maximo T. Bird. Oh, <laughs> Any final thoughts on how it comes to Frogtown before we give this a score? Mm, like you, it's worth a look. In the, for me, it's worth a look just in the sense of Fury Road. Because I think you'll kind of be astonished. Fury Road came from Hell Comes to Frogtown. I'm sorry. Yeah, this, the similarities are uncanny. Uh, all right. Oh, oh, I should mention the so that this is now out on Blu-ray. Vinegar Syndrome released a limited edition of this. I think that all the Vinegar Syndrome stuff is limited editions. Uh, there's three thousand units according to their website. There's five hundred left, over five hundred left in stock. So you can still pick this up. The um, it is a new, newly scanned and restored 4K uh, version from its. 35 millimeter uh, negatives and it looked good. I thought that the restoration was pretty solid in it. There Mm -hmm. is an audio commentary with uh, Donald G. Jackson in there and writer producer Randall Frakes. Now am I okay. So must that commentary must be old though, because according to IMDb, Donald G. Jackson died in 2003 Okay. So I don't think that's a new commentary. So they must have pulled that from a previous release. But there's some other bonus features on there too, including an extended scene, trailers, and all that stuff, uh, and additional interviews. So I'd say it's worth picking up. It's twenty eight dollars, which uh, is it's a little that's a little pricey for this movie. But at the same time, yeah. a lot of these uh, sort of niche releases are 
about that much. I mean, that's still cheaper than most Arrow releases. All right, let's give it a score. What are you What are you going to give Hell Comes to Frogtown? No, honestly, uh, I have no fucking clue. <laughs> I don't know what to give this either. Uh, that's right. why I asked you first. I was like, okay, well, I'll see what Kevin says, and then I'll just quickly base his score around him. Like I, I have, like, I, like I might go like a five, five and a half. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's that's fair. Sometimes with some of these movies, it's just like. It's like the movie's not good, but I had fun watching it. So, yeah, I don't know. Maybe like a five, five and a half. Yeah, it's it's a t- it's a tough one. It's a tricky movie. It is. It's a tricky beast. <laughs> it's, it's it's a tricky one. Uh, all right, God. let's let's go over some of what I've been watching. I I have no idea whose turn it is, so we can start with you if you'd like. We can start with me. Because I have a movie from 1968. It's called The Swimmer. Okay. Burt Lancaster. Directed by Frank Terry. Uh, this is based on a John Cheever short story. All right. Now, I didn't really know anything about this. This is on Amazon Prime. This is a, a, a Sunday afternoon. Just pop a movie on. Just pick one at random. Pick The Swimmer. Right. So, Burt Lancaster shows up. And he just dives in this guy's pool. And they're so happy to see him. And they're like, oh, Nettie, where you been? And, he, you know, they're talking, they're catching up. And he just keeps talking about the pool. And he, he said, people got to swim with him. He needs to swim. And then he finds out other people got pools in the neighborhood. And he's kind of looking out over the vista. And he's like, oh, he maps it out. He notices that there is a, a line of swimming pools the whole way back to his house. So what he can do is, is he can swim the whole way home. <laughs> okay. Now, before he he verbalized this, I was just kind of like, I I was finding it ridiculous and kind of funny. I was like, this guy just won't shut up about swimming. It's kind of ridiculous. And I said, I really hope that all this movie is is just him being obsessed with swimming. And my wife goes, that's exactly what this movie is. And my jaw dropped because <laughs> why would a movie like that exist? <laughs> but it does, and it's fucking incredible. I mean, it's it's really ridiculous because he like, and of course it's, it's tied into like him going down like memory lane, you know, and he's, he's everyone in his neighborhood that he's meeting, but you know something's kind of off because he's a guy that's decided to swim in everyone's swimming pools the whole way back home. Like I don't know what was happening in the '60s that you that the ending of this movie could come as a shock that something is not right in his life when he's introduced as a guy that can't shut up about swimming and decides to swim in everyone's swimming pool the whole way home. Because right off the bat, you're like, well, he's he's off his rocker. He's crazy. But of course, that was supposed to be like a, a reveal at the end. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's something else. Because it, like halfway home, there is a... These are really rich people, by the way. So they... One property has like an equestrian park type deal. So he just pretends to be a horse for like eight minutes. <laughs> He's just running around oh. jumping over the stuff. <laughs> There's music playing. He is having the time of his life. It's just, it's something else. Yeah, I mean, you have to see it to believe it. I can't believe it exists, to be honest. This sounds so crazy. 
it's like it's bizarre to me that there's a short story that exists with this premise, but then someone read that story and said, "I'm gonna I'm gonna turn that into a movie." It's man, you gotta you gotta check it out. I definitely will. Yeah, that's the swimmer. I saw Cruising from William Friedkin. This is from 1980. This recently got uh, the Arrow video treatment. Came out on Blu-ray. It's, this is a new 4K restoration, and it's the only authorized version from William Friedkin. So according to him on Twitter, all the other releases of this movie are shit, and this is the mm-hmm. one that you should this is the one you should get. It's the only one that he has approved. And uh, I, it's an incredible remaster. I mean, it, it looks so good. This movie, it looks brand new when you see it. The restoration was was so well done. And I mean, Arrow usually does good restorations, but usually they're not like on criterion level. Um, mm-hmm. but, but man, this one was so good. Uh, the so the movie, if you're not familiar, stars Al Pacino as a, a cop who goes undercover in New York's New York's S&M leather scene and in order to find a serial killer who's been uh, killing gay men in the city. And it's the movie's fine. The movie's all right. What's almost more interesting. In fact, I would say it is more interesting is just all of the backstory behind this movie and like how freaking made it and the controversy surrounding it and all of that stuff. Like, so there, there is a book uh, called cruising that this has been adapted from, but uh, freaking kind of inserted his own stories in there. Um, one of which, and this, this was like completely new to me. I didn't know anything about this was uh, one of the, people who he hired to be a medical examiner in the movie, the exorcist turned out who, who was like an actual assistant, like medical examiner. Mm-hmm. He turned out to be a serial killer and what? he, yeah. And he was killing and dismembering people and dumping him in the Hudson river and he got caught and uh, he, so he inserted that storyline into this movie and then um, the other, the other thing is like one of the, um, consultants that he has, who is a detective, uh, actually did this exact same thing. It's based on his, his life story where he actually did go undercover in New York's S and M scene in order to find an, an actual serial killer who was roaming the streets of New York during this time. Wow. So yeah, I mean, so the the backstory behind it is like just absolutely fascinating, and also this is the first movie that was ever shot in a real working morgue. Really? Yeah, it was never never done before because they they obviously due to like sensitivity yeah, issues, yeah. you know, sensitivity issues with like people bodies that might be down there and stuff. And apparently, and I don't remember this because like, I didn't learn that until I listened to the, the commentary and I wasn't really paying attention, but apparently you can see some like body parts and stuff that are actually real body parts in the scene. And the, the person who worked there ended up getting fired because of that. Oh man. Yeah. So there's, I mean, there's just, and then that's just like some of the crazy things. I mean, there were like all these protests that happen. And when you see the movie, 
you'll realize that a lot of it's dubbed. And I always kind of wondered, like, why does it, why did they dub so much of this? And the reason was because there were constant protests during the shoot and the protesters would interrupt shooting by like, they would chant, they would yell things, they would have megaphones and they would just scream things. They would, um, buy giant, they would bring giant mirrors to the set and reflect the sun to try to fuck up the lighting or fuck up the shot. Wow. And so, yeah, so they had to end up, they ended up like re dubbing, uh, like redoing all of the dialogue or a lot of the dialogue in the movie in post because you can hear people protesting in the background. So anyway, uh, I would definitely recommend picking it, picking this up on Blu-ray. There's a brand new commentary track from William Freakin that is just fascinating. The other special features are a little light. I was kind of hoping that there would be more. One thing that Arrow started doing recently was taking you to the like various locations that movies are shot and i wish they did that with this one but they didn't mm. they, they did it with a couple of their newer discs and i i don't know for some reason i find that to be really interesting just to see like where like what they look like now what specific places and stuff look like they did it with alice sweet alice and i thought that was really cool anyway <laughs> definitely recommend picking up cruising i saw the the farewell okay 19 the farewell blew the way this was, uh, oddly enough, this was playing in a theater here. I'm not sure how that happened. Yeah, I know it got a wide surprise, release. Surprised the hell out of me. Just happened to be checking those movie times, and it said The Farewell. And I had to double check and make sure it was the right movie, and it was. So I got to see it. And I don't want to say that it was a letdown, per se, but slightly in that, you know, it's an A24 movie and they have that hype machine where pretty much everything that I heard or had read about The Farewell was that it's an unbelievable, absolutely incredible. It's a good movie. That's, it's a good movie. It's not anything special. It's not, it's not going to blow your mind. It's just a well-made movie. And it has some good performances in there, the, the main one of which is Zhao uh, Shuzin. He plays the the grandmother that's lied to, and uh, she's she's incredible. She's really funny. She brings a, a lightness to the film, uh, and just an absolute joy to watch. She's very humorous, and what you know the whole if you don't know about this movie is her family knows that she's dying, but they don't tell her, and then they decide to have a a quote unquote wedding. They fake a wedding which is kind of their, their excuse to all go back to China and see her one last time. So she thinks everyone's just coming to have this wedding. So she's, you know, kind of taking care of the wedding and entertaining everyone and hosting everyone while they're there trying to grapple with the fact that she's going to die soon. And it does, I mean, it does, uh, it does touch on some, some things in a very poignant way at times. Specifically, there's a nice little... Uh, exchange about the differences with uh, like grief and suffering between the West and the East and kind of like the reasoning behind not telling your grandmother that she's dying, which I thought worked out really well. But it's my fault. It's my fault in letting that shit happen to me again, where I'm like, oh, this, I, this thing's going to be incredible. It's going to blow my mind. 
it's just a good movie. Yeah, that's yeah, that's what I heard. My wife saw it and said pretty much the same thing. Like, yeah, it's good. It's and good. I, I had another friend yeah. who saw it and he was he said the same thing. He's like, yeah, it's pretty good. Like he wasn't. Yeah. I mean, it's, I don't. Ah, and I don't know why I keep letting that happen to me. And it only happens occasionally, but with very specific films for some reason. Not everything has to be a ten out of ten. But that's that's all anyone does now. Everything's like a ten out of ten, or it's a zero out of ten. Yeah, that well, that's definitely how it is in the in the video game world. Like, if you look at video game reviews and the the discourse over video games, it's either ten out of ten or it's garbage trash. Yeah, there's no there's no in between. Like, I always said, it's it's okay to have a six or seven out of ten, like those are perfectly serviceable. There's nothing wrong with that. No. So I guess sticking with the, the theme of, of life and the end, end of life and living your life. I watched the up series. Oh yeah, that's right. I binged, I binged the up series over the course of one week. I saw all of them. So I, now I saw some of these previously I saw, I think, maybe the first three, but I couldn't quite remember. The only one I actually had logged on Letterboxd was the first one. And I suspect, looking back now, that maybe I didn't log them because they're, they were actually sort of TV shows. And I was, like, really, really strict about that at first. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I ended up logging them because, I, I don't know, they're kind of, I kind of yeah, consider them movies. You invested so much time. I did. So so I saw all of them from seven all the way up to the new one that came out, which is 63. So if you're not familiar with this series, it is a documentary series that follows the the lives of 15 people. And they catch up with them every seven years of their of their lives. And just they sort of ask them the same questions like, you know, what do you where are you working? What's your like relationship status like? And then when they got older, they asked them about like kids and like, where do you want to be in seven years and stuff like that. So it's sort of like they kind of ask him the same questions every time. And then you just catch up with them. And it's just, these are like mostly normal people, but the whole kind of hypothesis of the project was that they were, they were the sample set was, you had some really, really, really rich kids and you had some really, really, really poor kids. And then you had some kids in the middle and their hypothesis was that even though these kids are all the same age, they're not given the same opportunities in life. And they kind of theorized that the really rich kids are going to end up with better lives than the really poor kids. And whether or not they ended up with better lives, I think is up for debate. I'm sure that I mean, they do ask some of the people who grew up in poor families and they are happy in their in their lives for the most part. And so they, they might not have as much money, you know, like obviously the the rich people ended up going to top universities. They went to like Oxford and ended up with law degrees and, and uh, they have houses in London and then they have giant country homes and stuff and all of this and some of the kids who grew up in poor, poor neighborhoods and stuff. The one kid grew up in slums, you know, they, some of those people don't have nice things and they ended up not going to university and they ended up driving a cab or just doing 
odd jobs. Um, perhaps most interestingly is one guy uh, named Neil. It, he was mentally ill and he ended up homeless and his journey may be the most interesting of, of them, but still, uh, a really fascinating journey to, to take, to sort of binge, uh, kind of an emotional roller coaster too. this, this, was. I can imagine. it really kind of puts it into perspective, like how fleeting life really is when you zoom through someone's life from the time they're seven to the time they're 63. It's uh, a pretty incredible experience. Only, uh, well, maybe that's, I don't know if I want to talk about the current status of them but but like you know it i i like in watching this series to like getting getting a dog where it's like you know there's going to be an inevitable conclusion that's that's tragic yeah but it's like you you gotta think about am i gonna come out of this being a better person or, or gaining something and is it worth it to go through that and with this series i think it is just on a sociological level so anyway, that's the up series. Uh, if you are on Amazon Prime, there is a, a channel that you can sign up for called BritBox, and they have the whole series on there. So sign up for okay. for BritBox. They don't have the latest Brit one. They don't have the latest one yet, but it's coming very soon. I just got an email about it. Gotcha. So I just signed up for a trial, cranked them all out, dumped a trial. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you actually remembered to dump it, though. Uh, no, That's I good. didn't actually. Uh, no, you, you never will. I, I did. No, I did dump it. Years. I did dump it, but I I remembered too late. So like it. So they did charge me for a month of it, which is like seven, <laughs> six or seven dollars. Uh, <laughs> I wanted. To, I I would like to meet. Has anyone ever done that successfully? Mm, I don't think so. I keep. I keep telling myself that I'm going to get rid of my New York times subscription and I just yeah, keep. Yeah. I think, I think three years ago I signed up for Amazon prime around the holidays with the intent on dumping it after Christmas. And then three years later, I'm still paying for this fucking thing. I, well, for me, at least prime is worth it. Cause I use the features of prime a lot. Yeah. I imagine it's different, but here, you know, you get two day shipping, but it'll just take seven days. Because what the fuck are you going to do about it? <laughs> you can't do anything about it. He, he, well, see, I live like a block and a half away from their distribution, one of their d distributors, their centers or whatever. So I get same day, same day or next day shipping. Ridiculous. And it's, yeah, it's great. Yeah, mine is just whenever you fucking get it, dude. <laughs> you get it when you get it. Shut up. <laughs> Not our fault you live in Elizabeth Elizabethtown, fucker. Uh, I'll just mention one more, and that's Ready or Not. I was pretty excited about this one, and it did not let me down. I really enjoyed Ready or Not. If you're not familiar, if you haven't seen trailers for this, it's essentially about a, a bride who marries into this wealthy board gaming family. They have a, a, a gaming dominion, as they call it, and... On the eve of their wedding night, she has to play a game. And as it turns out, the game is hide and seek. And the goal is for all of the family members to try to kill her before dawn. Or else something terrible will befall the family. It's really funny. 
it goes to some really interesting places. It's very uh, gruesome and violent, and I had an absolute blast with it. I thought it, uh, uh, Samara Weaving is great in it. She was in, um, uh, what was the, that movie? Uh, Mayhem. Mayhem. She was really great in Mayhem, too. So if you haven't seen Mayhem, I would highly recommend that one as well. Andy McDowell's in there. She plays the sort of matriarch of the family. And uh, Adam Brody's in there, too. And he's he's pretty good in it as well. So definitely recommend checking out Ready or Not. Kevin, I think you'll enjoy this one. Really? I, I do, yeah. Good time. Wow. It's a really good time. Surprising. Yeah, it goes to some. Uh, it goes to some kind of unexpected places. Yeah, I saw a trailer for this, and it's just like I don't know. I wasn't into it. When I first yeah. saw the trailer, I was like thinking to myself, "This feels like a VOD release. Like it doesn't. It doesn't seem like a a wide theatrical release." But in in seeing it, I can understand why it's it, it's quite good. All right, let's take a look at what we have in theaters this week. We got a big one, one that I'm very excited for. That's It Chapter 2. Oh, yeah. You excited? Eh. Come on. Mildly. Come on. Mildly. I like it more when they're kids, not when they're grown up. Yeah, but it looks like they're bringing the kids back for this one. So there's at least going to be some scenes with them as kids. Exactly. But I also just learned of this film's run runtime yesterday. It's like just under three hours. Really? Which seems a bit much for me. Well, the 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 original miniseries was pretty pretty effing long too. The book's True. the book's huge too, if I remember correctly. The book is massive. Yeah. So I mean we'll see. We'll see. I'll be seeing it. So we're going to be covering it. All right. So get ready. Yeah, I'm ready. I'm ready to do it. Uh, that's really the big the big release for this week. Yeah. We also have a film called Edie, something called The Night Hunter. Currently has a 0% on Rotten Tomatoes. Ooh. Looks like Ben Kingsley's in it. I'm not even familiar with what this is at all. It's Henry Cavill and Ben Kingsley, Stanley Tucci, Nathan Fillion is in there and Alexandra Daddario. So it's got, a bunch of people are doing a favor here. Seems this, like. Yeah, this is one of these uh, Saban films. And I feel like uh, this, you know, this is the same company that released Domino. Okay. And, and it looks like it's kind of in that same vein. They, so they're kind of like a charity, it seems like. I don't know. Saban Films seems pretty like they're kind of mid-tier. But like all of their stuff seems to be not great. Like not not very yeah. good. Mm. So, that's pretty much it for wow. theatrical releases. All right, VOD. This week we got Six Hot Chicks in a Warehouse. That is the real title of this real movie. <laughs> I forgot about that one. Yeah, epic, pretty epic poster for this one, too. Six hot chicks in a warehouse. Unbelievable. Uh, We have Gags the Clown. This is a a found footage horror movie that uh, I do not recommend. I really, I saw this at Cinepocalypse, I think. 
last year, and I couldn't stand it. Debunkers, Inc. This looks like some kind of wacky comedy. Their favorite subject is a mystery. And they're going to debunk it. They're going to debunk that. Incorporated style. <laughs> Get it? I do. Dragon, Dragon Kingdom coming out. It's a whole kingdom of dragons. The battle for a kingdom has begun. Woo. <laughs> to save their kingdom from the Dark Lord's army, a mighty and courageous legion of warriors must travel through the Forbidden Lands, fighting the fearsome, fire-breathing monsters of the Dark Kingdom, a land that, sh- <laughs> that swallows all who enter in order to rescue their king. How many, how many times did they utilize kingdom? A lot. It sounded like you said it like 14 times. Many times. Wow. Yeah. Clownado comes out. What'd you say? Clownado. Why are there two clown movies? I don't know, man. Cursed demonic circus clowns set out on a vengeful massacre using tornadoes. What? Yep. The f- movies like this just don't work. These ones that are like intentionally stupid. No, they never do. Tagline is, it's about to get twisted. Ah, uh, because of the tornadoes. Mm, mm-hmm. I gotcha. Yep. I gotcha. Linnea Quigley's in there. Haven't seen her in anything for quite a while. All right. On the So those were all on the third. On the fifth, we have The Wrath. This is a Shudder exclusive. This looks pretty good, actually. Kind of into the Supernatural Creeper set in 14th century Korea. Okay. I think it's I think it might be a remake, but it looks it looks pretty decent. On the fifth, also on the fifth, we have Low Tide. This will be on Direct TV. So if you have Direct TV, you can check it out. I think it hits theaters later. On the sixth, we have I guess it's K through twelve. K dash twelve. This is the one that's uh it's a musical film directed written directed and starring melanie martinez uh are you familiar with this at all no i'm not the i don't know about the movie itself but the visual style of it is very intriguing to me i checked out the trailer and i was kind of interested in in, in it just for the trailer the movie hmm. i'm not so sure like i'm not a i don't know a lot about Melanie Martinez, I've heard a few of her songs, but I don't really follow her, so I don't know what to think about this. I'm kind of digging the style, though. I know that much. There you go. That's something. Mm -hmm. Start. Yeah. Uh, The Fanatic is coming out. This is the one that hit theaters this this weekend. It's the one with John Travolta, (laughs) directed by Fred Durst. Directed by Fred Durst and starring John Travolta and Devin Sawa. Mm-hmm. And John Travolta is looks he looks so ridiculous in this movie. I have to see this. I absolutely have to see yeah. this movie. The, the the wardrobe choices for him are just incredible. Pretty fantastic. Yeah. Incredible. And that haircut too. Oh my god. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, Chris reviewed this for us, and he actually he gave it a six and a half, and he was kind of into it. I have Watch a feeling. Out. I have a feeling that I'm gonna 
really hate it, but it's going to be a fun time. Yeah. We also have Satanic Panic on Friday. That's the new title, I think. I don't know how many times I sit in this room, do this podcast, and I hear you say that title. (laughs) I don't think I've mentioned that. I mean, I mentioned it once. It feels like five weeks straight now. I know that I mentioned it once before when I actually saw it, but I'm not... I don't know if I mentioned it any other times. I don't remember mentioning it any other times. At any rate, I would recommend checking this one out. This is really fun. This this one's worth a look. On Blu-ray this week, we got Book Smart. Definitely recommend that one. We got Men in Black International. I heard not great things, but I'm not interested either way. Elvira, Mistress of the Dark from 1988 is getting a Blu-ray release. Ma from earlier this year. That's the one with Octavia Spencer. I heard actually not great things about that either, but I'm going to still give that a look. I missed that in theaters. Dogtooth is coming out. I guess this is some sort of new, new edition. Uh, Kino Lorber is putting this out. It's got a kind of a cool cover. I feel like they could have done a little bit more with that. Alps is also coming out on a new Blu-ray release. Nice. Uh, of course, it is getting a re-release. That's on 4K. This is the new the, the it from 2017. It looks like there's a Batman box set that's coming out. This is the 80th anniversary, 18 film box set. 18 film box set. So it's all. It's like the animated ones. So it's pretty much all the Batman animated ones that came out over the years. Wow. Including Mask of the Phantasm, which was maybe one of the best ones. The Wind, Demons of the Prairie. This is a a folk horror movie. I I don't know if it actually came out. Uh, I I saw it at a festival, but I didn't. I don't recall it getting a proper release. Maybe, maybe it did. I think IFC put it out actually. Uh, I wasn't huge on this one. I like Uh, the idea of this. So there's mild interest on my part. It's it's a super slow burn. I would imagine and, so. And to me, it just wasn't like the payoff just really wasn't there. Uh, gotcha. the, the 1990 It is also getting a new Blu-ray release of, because, of course, it is. Um, mm-hmm. Dar- mm-hmm. uh, Darlin from earlier this year, which is the that's the sequel to um, Lucky McGee's May. That I was a little disappointed with as well. It was okay. Cold Blood from earlier this year is coming out. That's the Jean Reno one where he's like a hitman, some sort of assassin. Mm. All right. Catching Faith coming out. That's uh, that faith-based football movie. Hell yeah. Uh, Catching Faith 2 also coming out on Blu-ray. Oh, shit. Why didn't they just do a box set? I don't know. Damn. Missed opportunity. That's pretty much all I have. Oh, I'm sorry. How could I have forgotten I got the hookup too? Oh, yeah. Do you remember I Got the Hookup? When did the original I Got the Hookup come out? I mean, it was probably early, early 2000s or late 90s. 98. Uh, 98. 98, yeah. Yeah. And they waited till this year to release I Got the Hookup too. And is anyone Master from P's, the original? Yeah, Master P. Is he, is he still in it? Yeah. He's still like the main guy, I think. I mean, at least according wow. to the box art. Uh, any criterions this week? 
Oh yeah, we got we got one. It's a uh, a new 4K restoration, getting the old Blu-ray, and that's uh, Fist in the Pocket from 1965. And really, the only thing besides the the new 4K restoration is there is a new uh, interview for the Blu-ray with the uh, with a film scholar, Stefano Albertini, and then everything else is just what originally was on the uh, the DVD version. Got it. Got it. All right. Good. Uh, I think that's going to do it for this week. Thank you so much for listening. You can send us your questions and topics to podcast at filmpulse.net. You can follow us on Twitter at filmpulse.net and at filmpulsekevin. And uh, if you have a minute, please consider reviewing us on your podcast platform of choice. For Kevin Rakestraw, my name is Adam Patterson. We'll see you next week. <laughs>